in order to sing those songs correctly, you have to pitch your voice up because mm-hmm. their voices are just higher than mine. And so I was like, head up, I wish everyone could see it. Anyway, I think we have enough material to put something there. We're good. We're good. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Crunch. This is Ethan, a.k.a. Propostle. And I'm Patrick at Catholic Pat. Did you say Did you say it? I didn't hear you. Your internet cut out. But I'm assuming oh, that you yeah, said it. This is episode 9, week 9, mm-hmm. October. No, it's November. It's November... It's Daylight Savings Day, November 6th, 2016. I hope you all made it to Mass on time and that your uh, clocks were set back correctly. I, for one, did not get up for Mass this morning. I was just going to go at 4.30 because, holy cow, it was early this morning. Did you go already? Oh, yes, I did. You did? You're a good 8:30. Catholic. 8.30. Good, good Catholic. I, I was going to get up at 8. That didn't happen. <laughs> I was having some really good dreams. I was dreaming about putting my groceries away into my cupboard. Ooh. Like, I was, I had cereal. Like, that's what I did before I went to bed is I put my groceries away, and I dreamed about the same thing, was having my cereal and putting it away. <laughs> it was kind of And it, did your dream come true? It, it did. Well, I woke up, and we didn't have any milk, which was oh. super frustrating. So it was all for nothing. But anyway, uh, podcast is good. Thank you all for listening. We've had some big stuff happen recently shout out to my friend andrew who uh donated to the podcast to help us buy some equipment um shout out to lisa cotter who is one of the speakers at seek this year she listened and uh gave us a shout out on twitter um shout out to all of you who slide into me and patrick's dms and tell us good things about the podcast shout out to all the people that say bad things about the podcast helps Um, us grow (laughs) we just had a lot of really cool stuff happening patrick set up a patreon page it's really exciting. For us. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast, I assume. Uh, the link will be in the description, so if you don't listen the whole way through because you get tired of our voices, just click on that link and check it out. You know it's good mm-hmm. stuff. You can see you, my face. Anything else you want to say before we... What? Before, oh. we get, before we get into what? Oh, the topic. Oh. I yeah actually you can, yeah you can't I, see I, there's I, a video that Patrick made that you can look at if you want to stand listening to his voice for more than three minutes <laughs> he made a nice little video for you that you can watch it's kind of funny I actually I actually do want to talk about something I was telling you before yeah. I went to Washington D.C. over the weekend and I spoke with uh, Cardinal Whirl we got Cardinal Whirlpool Cardinal Whirlpool uh, <laughs> the OG it was great so yeah. Um, we all we all got to ask him questions, and I asked him a question. I asked him, uh, "What's what's the status of the Fifth Marian Dogma?" And he st- he stopped for a bit, but he was like, "You know, honestly, I just think that people don't really know what it is." And so, if you are one of those people who, like me, about a year ago, did not know what the Fifth Marian Dogma is, you should tweet at me at Catholic Pat on Twitter and be like, "Hey, I would like to know about this thing that could potentially bring historic graces to the world, and that I." because I want to share it with my family and friends so that we can all pray rosaries every day for the Fifth Marian Dogma to be solemnly proclaimed. And that's my that's my shameless plug for the day. So are we, we doing a podcast on that? on that? Because that would be super cool. Yeah, we will be, definitely. 
More Mary. Frat. All the time. That'll be so cool. Frat. Frat. Everything. I use frat as a positive adjective, by the way. So if you guys are thinking that's a bad thing, don't worry. I mean, I've been using, I've been using chotch more often. Chotch, frat, dab, lit. <laughs> these, are, these are all the common words on the crunch. Anyway, you ready to get into this? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. This, I'm really excited for this topic. Um, it'll be a bit heavier than what we normally talk about. Not heavier, but I think it'll end up really good. I think it's a topic that is important for us to think about and be aware about. Uh, be aware of, not aware about. Um, recently, there's been some talks and some chatter among the people of Catholicism. And, I mean, we are the people, so we might as well talk about it as well. Um, I put up a poll on Twitter the other day that said, what kind of church would you prefer? Um, And the two options were bigger and more inclusive and smaller and holier, Um, with the intention of talking about it here. And smaller and holier won. It was about 67% to 33% with 266 votes. Um, So I think a lot of people on Catholic Twitter, at least, see a smaller and holier church as good, which is which is okay because that has foundation in, I mean, church teaching. If you look back at um, the famous theologian, 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 <laughs> Joseph Ratzinger, who if you don't know who that is, uh, later is, became known as uh, Pope Benedict XVI, kind of a big deal. Um, he wrote in 1969 that the church will become small and will have to start afresh. So this is not necessarily a new idea, right? Back in the 60s and 70s, there were cardinals and uh, bishops talking about this idea that the church eventually is going to have to become small um, and start from the beginning of where we were instead of you know growing, which sounds really counterintuitive because you think that, oh, we need to bring more people into the church. We need to um, grow and evangelize and all of these things. But the idea behind it all is that... Um, these people who are writing these things don't want um, lukewarm Catholics or Catholics who actively reject certain aspects of church teaching, right? Like this is not, we're not saying we as in the people are not saying that um, a smaller, holier church means, oh, if you're a sinner, get out. You know, that's not the whole, that's not the point. I brought this up to my parents and they immediately said, well, Peter and Paul were sinners. Or do they, are they, are we going to kick them out of the church too? And they were just kind of being silly, but I think when you say small and holier, that's the response that a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, but that's not necessarily true. Scott Hahn, also, I'm just whipping out all of my sources right now. Scott Hahn posted yeah, this done. quote from <laughs> uh, Bishop Robert Morlino the other day, um, and I'm just going to read it in its entirety because I think it's really, really good and just kind of sets up the entirety of the argument of why um, the church, uh, one of the reasons why the church could be smaller and holier. And this quote goes, If one is called to be Catholic, one follows what the church teaches. That is the correct understanding of conscience, as upheld also by Vatican II. And if one really cannot follow what the church teaches, then one's conscience requires that one leave the church. That is the adult decision. One's conscience does not require that one makes up one's own personal religion and then pretend that it is Catholic. So this idea is kind of a call out to those Catholics, <clears throat> Tim Kaine, <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi, <clears throat> Joe Biden, etc., that seem to think that they can be Catholic and still um, support abortion and mm-hmm. gay marriage and all of those things. Um, in an ideal world, these theologians, these bishops, these cardinals, don't want 
those people claiming to be Catholic, and that's what they mean by a smaller, holier church. What do you think about that, Patrick? What is your what is your response to those things? Um, so yeah, obviously those people know a lot more than myself. Um, right. And when they they're talk very of much a, smarter than when you. they talk of a smaller, holier church, um, they're they're doing what you're saying, like they're not talking about sinners that are struggling and all that stuff. And I think there's a misnomer on the other opinion too, that a person who wants a bigger church and more quote unquote inclusive church, which is the word that you use. That's a really scary <laughs> word. Use that, uh, kind of on purpose. Yeah. The inclusive, the inclusive culture is something that we are very scared of as Orthodox mm-hmm. Catholics, because if we include people, that might mean we include people that aren't as Catholic as we are, which would be scary. Um, so we're going to stray away from the word inclusive. Um, and I know that there are people out there who will disagree with me, but I think that both of these both of these positions can be held by Orthodox Catholics, and they have grounding in truth. Um, the reason why I say that is it just depends on your evangelistic style and what you prefer. Um, Pope Francis, I feel, is very much on the bigger, the uh, the bigger, more uh, more um, inclusive church, just Definitely. because he is more of a pastor. Um, yeah. whereas Ratzinger is definitely a, f- a theologian and a philosopher, so he would be more willing to bring in the atheist and the Protestant. Um, well, the Protestant. And neither of them stand. are wrong. That's the whole. Yeah, that's exactly. The whole that's the whole point of what I'm saying. Wrong. Yeah, and that I know it's the whole point, but I'm just yeah. reiterating that. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to. I mean, pick one and say that the other one is terrible, awful. I can't believe he would say that. You mm-hmm. know, this is disgusting. Um, but I still think that at the end of the day, it's important to know kind of where you stand on this issue because it will change how you go about evangelizing and how you will go about um, your life within the church, at least given the conversation that's happening uh, right now. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. I, I came up with a little analogy in my in my discussions. I, I brought this up to most of my friends at Franciscan, which I attend. I go to Franciscan. Um, and Drink. since most of them... <laughs> Since most of them are super Orthodox Catholics as well, they all immediately said, I'd rather have a smaller, holier church. And I brought up the point uh, in the gospel, Jesus finds Peter and Andrew uh, fishing. And he finds James and John mending the nets. Um, these, the, What they're doing is not irrelevant um, because this is what they did in their ministries. Peter and Andrew went out and they brought people in. And James and John mended what was broken within the church. And so I prefer to do the mending just because I think that there's more of a, once someone has a little bit of Christ, a little bit of an understanding of what Christ is, it's easier to appeal to that than it is to appeal to a lack. That being said, it is very difficult to appeal to a distorted image of who Christ is than Christ. So like the Tim Keynes and Nancy Pelosi, they have like this distorted idea that Christ is all inclusive that you can believe whatever you want and still be in line with church teaching. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe this is repeating you, but I can't tell if you cut out or not. But True. <laughs> the, the whole idea, like, I don't think Christ is not, Jesus Christ, the person, was not a nice guy. You know, he was a lot of things. He was loving and caring and um, charismatic and changed the world. For the rest of time, but I don't think he was nice, and I think too many Catholics are concerned with being nice because they think that Jesus was nice to everyone. 
I mean, he rebukes some people hecka hard. Like, he goes in on the Pharisees and even on his own disciples when they are being chotchbags. <laughs> and we can't, in the name of being nice, or in the name of just kind of avoiding conflict, we can't just allow um, the people in our church to hold positions or the people that we know. Like, I wouldn't recommend to kind of refer to our other podcast about um, talking with your friends and stuff. I don't remember what that one was called. Oh, yeah. Nah. But... I don't know. Do you remember, Patrick? No, I have no idea. But um, if if these are your friends and they are, you know, holding positions contrary to church teaching, you know, try and try and sit them down and ask them about it. Try and sit them down. Like, why do you think this? Why do you think that? Don't don't just say you should leave the church because I don't think that is something that you can say. The quote that I read said it is one's personal adult decision to leave the church, not someone else's condemnation of someone to leave the church. Yeah, exactly. I think that's important. And regardless of which we'd prefer, the second option is the reality. And I was thinking about this before, just before we started. I believe Christ set up the church in that way on purpose because he, sa- he, called, he called the fisher and he called the mender of the net. He didn't, he didn't intend for us to fish the same way with the same net every time. Mm. Um, he didn't intend for the church to be small and holy for all time because... If he did, then the church immediately failed about 30 years after he ascended. So the church is where it is meant to be in that moment. Now, that does not mean that it is in the right place. So yeah. God understands where we are as a, as, a, as a church, as a universal church, and he's calling us to maybe make the church big and holy, which, of course, is the goal. Thank you, Robert, for pointing that out on Twitter the other day. <laughs> Why not both? Why not big and holy? That's you know, the goal. So. Yeah, that's obviously the goal. Yeah. You know, we want nothing more than for everyone who's in the church to be, you know, as holy as they can be and to mm-hmm. uh, agree with the truth of what the church teaches and follow that and live that out. That's that's mm-hmm. the ideal. We're not saying so that we don't about, want a big church. It's all about starting point. Right, yeah, it's as for like right now how we get there. Does that mean bringing in as many people as possible or kind of drawing back and focusing, kind of retreating a little bit, focusing on who we have and what we can do and then spreading from there. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. So, so like, it's what's up in the air. I don't know. What is an example of uh, a time in, in, in your life when you uh, started by making, trying to make someone holy? That's a weird way to phrase it. Uh, trying to yeah, bring someone to sense. holiness before they join the church. You know what I'm saying? So like, the two, okay. So in terms of evangelizing a person, you yeah. say, all right, which do I start with? Do I try to make them holy first or do I try to bring them into the church first? Ah. Yeah, so like, do I try to take them to youth group first or try to get them to pray a rosary with me first? Do I encourage them to pray on their own or do I bring them to mass? You know, like what? Right. what's an example of a time where you've encouraged someone to pray before you encourage them to do something that was officially with the Catholic Church? That is a good question. Um, for me... My roommate last year was, he's one of my best friends. He's an agnostic, um, 
not necessarily atheist, but when he was in high school, he kind of dabbled in Buddhism and Islam. And like, he was just kind of searching around because he wasn't raised with a religion or anything. And so him living with me, it brought up a lot of really good, interesting conversations kind of about church and what I believe and why I believe it. Um, and kind of just morality about different things. And he had lots of really good questions. He was always asking me, you know, what about this? What about that? What about this? And it was never, I mean, I invited him to mass a lot and I invited him to, you know, come to things. I invited him to a Christopher West talk that he came to, which was really, really cool. Um, I invited him to my, when I, cause I'm in college, I volunteer at my high school youth group when I'm home over breaks and stuff. I invited him to come to that, and he came to that. Um, so, and those things, you know, are Catholic. Like Christopher West is very Catholic. Our youth group is very Catholic, but it wasn't the mass, and it wasn't a rosary, and it wasn't liturgy of the hours or anything. So, in my experience, it's easier for someone who is not already Christian to kind of get that treatment first, rather than for someone who maybe is a strong Protestant um, to say, "Hey, why don't you come to mass with me?" Why don't we let's try to pray a rosary together? That kind of mm-hmm. thing, if they're open to it. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I, I kind of see what you're saying. It, it does depend on the person, the the approach you take. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you try it depends to depends on the someone, person, yeah. but it also depends on your your style, your style of yeah. how you want to do things with other people. Um, you know? so I, I I'd say an example of um, bringing someone into the church and then making them holy would be baptizing them as an infant. You know. Um, if you bring your child into the church, mm-hmm. you're bringing them officially into the church. They are a member of the body of Christ, but they are not—they're um, not Mother Teresa yet. We hope yeah, that they will a be. Sinner. Yeah, the baby's that baby a sinner. is a nasty, nasty sinner. Well, not after he gets baptized, you heathen. Uh. Well, yeah, <laughs> but right shortly out. thereafter, he doesn't stay sinless for forever. I mean, baptize him, but then he pukes on me. Get him to confession. <laughs> Get him to confession. I'm tired oh, of babies goodness. puking on me. <laughs> Oh man, I love, I love, I when love I say baptisms. babies. I mean my twenty-one-year-old roommates. <laughs> every time I, every time I, I'm gonna tell this story real fast. I, whenever I'm at church with Sarah and there's a baptism going on during during mass, I'll like yep. lean over and be like, "Oh yeah, I love it when they cry. Cry out all the paganism." Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> oh. They're not they're not pagans anymore. They're we, we brought them into the church, um, but they're not day. holy yet. So. Um, it's true because they're that babies, idea of reversion. They poop themselves. You know, you can't poop yourself and still be holy. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. That, that whole idea of reversion it happens to a lot of people. You see, um, cradle Catholics who that that whole the the classic conversion story was like, you know, I've always been Catholic. My parents brought me up Catholic, but we were nominally Catholic. And then I came into the church and I realized it had been in front of me this whole time. You know, you hear oh, that yeah. Yeah. story. It's yep. it's a great story. It's 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 repeatable, <laughs> but it's beautiful. And yeah, I I relate because that was like that was sort of me. But I I thought I was the worst sinner. But you know, still are, I, <laughs> still are. <laughs> um, oh man, but that's what I meant to say. I sounded like a really prideful guy. I thought I was the worst sinner, but then I looked over here at Ethan and realized <laughs> it. That's what I yeah. meant to say. I meant to say I was the worst sinner, and then I came back, but. But yeah, so reversion is an example of, of someone being in the church and then being called to holiness. But you bring up the point of people who have a distorted view of Christ, um, yeah. a completely distorted view, and they're living a public life of sin, and they right. declare themselves to be a member of the body and that's of not Christ. just that's not just um, public figures. That's anyone from Kelly that goes to Mass on Sundays, but 
what she posts on Instagram on Saturday night is not necessarily reflective of that. You know, that could mm-hmm. be anybody. Sorry, Kelly. Yeah, sorry, Kelly. I don't know anybody named Kelly. Oh, I do know someone named Kelly. Kelly, if you're listening to this, it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. So, what do you but, do about yeah, them? So that's sorry. What were you gonna say? No, I was just asking you. What do you do about them? Holy first or church first? For Kelly? Yeah. Hmm. When you say holy, you mean like the general stuff, and mm-hmm. church first, you mean like Catholic stuff? Mm-hmm. I would do church first for Kelly because she's already going to Mass, and she's already. there's ar- If she's going to Mass regularly, even if she's going out, you know, and making questionable decisions, she or he, Kelly could be a boy. Um. Girls aren't the only sinners in the world. As we know, they are beautiful and wonderful. But <laughs> if Kelly is going out, you know, every weekend and posting things, but then also coming to Mass every Sunday, obviously she still sees some value in going to Mass on Sunday. She still mm-hmm. sees some something in the Catholic Church that is drawing her back. And I think that's important to see. And you can take that and then you can say, hey, Kelly, why don't you come to uh, daily Mass sometime? Or do you want to, like, you know, stick around after Mass and pray uh chaplet of divine mercy with me you know like it's it doesn't have to be something super big it can be something really really small that slowly but surely gets kelly quote unquote up to speed and then with someone like that i think if you introduce the church aspects then the holiness will follow whereas on the flip side sometimes you need to do the holiness when then the church things will follow so it's both and depending on who you're talking to like isn't that crazy? That's the whole point of this podcast is that you can do both ways of, you know, kind of focusing on people that are already in the church and getting them holier and not bringing new people in, but then also people outside of the church and getting them holy and then bringing them in, even if they're not perfect quite yet. Mm-hmm. But if you try to condense all that down into a tweet, you're going to get people mad at you mm-hmm. <laughs> and taking you out of context and such. But that's, that's Man, kind why of the do point we do Twitter? What? Why do we do, why do Twitter? We do Twitter? I got called a misogynist the other day. I know. <laughs> Wasn't that crazy? I kind of did too. You did? Yeah. It was like at one in the morning. Nobody saw it, but it was great. Oh, yeah. I tweeted that thing. This is a really funny joke. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you should. But um, my different levels of my interest in a woman is that like the baseline level of interest if she's baptized and breathing. And then I would go out with her if she's uh, confirmed, confirmed and catechized. And then I 10 out of 10 would marry her if she's pretty and practicing. And I came up with that in our group chat. And everyone thought it was really funny. And I tweeted it and I got called a misogynist. Because apparently calling my future wife pretty is bad. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation. But maybe it is. I don't know. Ethan, I love all women. You have to make if you if your wife if your future wife is not fat and ugly, you're a misogynist. That's true. You're right. <laughs> I need to start working on that. Just find a girl that you like, and then if she's like too attractive, just take her to McDonald's all the time, <laughs> every meal. We need to detractify you in the name of feminism. <laughs> this is the uh, world we live in, folks. Strap in. November 8th is coming fast. 
So, yeah, maybe, oh, like, maybe the whole point is that it's really difficult to bring people into a church that isn't sanctified in general, you know? Right. So yeah. it's like if we're if we, if we ourselves aren't constantly trying to sanctify our churches and by that I mean our dioceses dioceses and our parishes then mm-hmm. we're not even going to be able to bring people in the church regardless, you know? So maybe you know a holier church is better than a bigger church. Mhm. But right now, we're really not there. Yeah, we're not doing either, I don't think, because typical millennial statistics are like uh, church attendance is down. But then also, if you just look at your average church mm-hmm. and see kind of the church that I came from back home, our parish was super big, super wealthy. Um, even if it, after it was split into two parishes, it's still the biggest church in the state of Kansas. Nice. Um, which is nuts. But seeing that and seeing kind of how people – I don't want to call anybody out. This is not like it. But there's just this trend among kind of the wealthier parishes in the country that say one thing, live a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. And those churches have the power to change a lot within their states and within their diocese. And I'm sure they do to an extent. But all things considered, if everybody in a 5,000-family parish was living – in a true Catholic way, it'd be crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Same with maybe, uh, a college campus that has, you know, 25,000 students and a fifth of them are Catholic. That university should look radically different than it does now. I'm calling out yeah. my own college right now. But you know what I mean? Those kinds of things are why, like, it's not bigger right now and it's not holier, so we should probably focus on one instead yeah. of both. I mean, I kind of, I kind of took this position because I knew it would be the unpopular one, um, yeah. because I, I like to be the odd man out, yeah. And honestly, also because it's kind of the realistic position to take. We yeah. are, we are this way. We can't pretend like we're not and prefer another way. Because mm-hmm. if we start doing that, then we're just going to push people out of the church, or we're going to seclude ourselves. I, I said I was going to mention the Benedict option. The Benedict option is not an option. We can't just remove ourselves from politics because politics isn't Catholic. Are you kidding me? That's so dumb. That's absolutely dumb. not that that literally makes the problem worse. If vote if we as Catholics as devout Catholics remove ourselves from society, remove ourselves from the from the nominal Catholics and the outliers, then they're never going to be sanctified and it's our fault. If we try to create a utopia of Catholicism, then other people are going to hell, and it's our fault. That's not a good place to be. Mic drop. I wish I could, but it, this mic is rented from my school, so that'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't say it any better than you. Honestly, we need to pray for our church. We need to pray for those that may not be exactly where they want to be. We need to pray for priests bishops, cardinals, pope, that kind of in this new generation of Catholicism that's coming up, that something radical happens, you know, something Mm -hmm. crazy, whether it be a massive explosion in our numbers or a massive explosion in our holiness that hopefully leads to both at some point, we need to pray for that to happen and we need to act on it 
when we have the opportunity or else, like Patrick said, people are going to hell and it's on us. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't be a judge. But Patrick, how, what, what, what kind of prayer should I pray to, to help fix our nation? Oh, that's, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked, audience member. You should, pray, you should pray the rosary daily. And if you don't have one, which I realize some, some people, some Catholics don't have a rosary, that's absolutely okay. DM me and I will make you one and mail it to you, honestly. Like, Same. And, I have like 50 rosaries sitting around my room. Yeah. I'll send you one. But if you do have a rosary, don't make us mail it to you because you yeah, just want no, a rosary. I'm not do that. Like that's, don't time. be a chotch. <laughs> yeah, don't be a chotch. So yeah, pray the rosary daily. Go to mom. Mom's going to fix everything. She said she would. True. Fifth Marian dogma. Fifth Marian dogma. It all goes back. All goes back. It all goes back. Wow. That was good. That was yep. a good topic. That was a good topic. I like that one. I think hopefully y'all didn't fall asleep. I think that was good. I think people will like that. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. people like. I don't have my finger on the hot button topics of the youths today. <laughs> I'm not very good at reading people. Anyway, uh, just a few things before we sign off. Uh, like we said, there's a Patreon page up. Patrick, do you want to tell them about it? Yeah, so Patreon is a way for us to connect with our listeners. It's uh, We provide the crunch for free and um we'd love to keep being able to do that sorry high oh, yeah, quality content for free <laughs> try getting that anywhere else eh, well pirating music but anyway um <laughs> we <laughs> don't do that we down we we provide the crunch for free if you would like to make it no longer free um for you you can donate to our patreon um patreon is a way for us to connect with our audience members um our more devoted audience members more intimately patreon if you if you donate at the three dollar level um if 35 of you donate three dollars then we will be able to meet our goal um by january which is what we're really hoping for that's what patrick's um, really hoping for i'm that's quite patrick, towards the pa- patrick is really hoping for that <laughs> um and if you can't do that a dollar is fine any any amount per month is great. We've already had mm-hmm. people donate twenty dollars a month. And it's gonna be awesome. I cried, but yeah, it was crazy. So you'll be added to this Patreon page, and it's kind of like a social network where you'll get little updates from us um, throughout the week about like, hey, what we're gonna talk about this topic. What do you guys think about this topic? It's a better way to communicate with us than through Twitter. While Twitter is awesome, it is unfortunately not devoted entirely to the crunch. Patreon, our Patreon page, true. is entirely devoted tweets. to the crunch. I have my own personal brand to promote. Exactly. I don't have time I, to always tweet <laughs> about the crunch. I've got memes that need to be tweeted. Hashtag Catholic Twitter after dark. That's my favorite thing that I do. If you guys don't see that, hashtag I wake up Twitter to it. It's dark. great. It's so funny. <laughs> it's whenever I'm up super late studying, like 1 a.m., and I know most people have fallen asleep and I'm still up and I'm just angry. I'll just find one of my memes that I have saved in my phone and I'll tweet it out. And they're pretty well well received. I, I'm, I'm a fan of the that little tweet series that I get to do. It's great. Yeah. But yeah, so... Um, donate to this, Patreon. It'll be fun. Yeah, donate to Patreon. It's, uh, it's a great way for us to, for the crunch to get more people and to get better. And um, if you are a devoted listener, we would appreciate it because right now we're paying for stuff out of our own pocket. Which kind of blows, so. If you donate $50 a month, we'll bring you on the podcast, and I will personally verbally abuse you for 15 whole minutes. It'll be phenomenal. <laughs> so sign oh, up yeah. today. And if if, um, if there's a company that you know, if there's a company that you know of um, that would like to donate $100 a month or more, 
they'll be an official sponsor and we'll say like this the crunch is brought to you by so and so catholicmatch.com by catholicmatch.com come on i want it to happen so bad <laughs> it'd be so perfect um but yeah anyway that's patreon the link will be in the description of the podcast we'll also put it up on twitter um at propostle at catholic pat um if there's anything else i don't think there's anything else please uh consider giving us a rating and a review on itunes it really helps us out um more people see it when they search catholic in the search bar um so that'll be very good uh retweet us give us a like give us a share whatever you want to do tell your parents tell your grandma my grandma listens to this podcast by the way which is super super cool she couldn't figure out how to get the podcast app to work um and my mom had to like coach her through it on the phone and like while she was on the phone she heard my voice start playing my grandma's like i don't know how to turn it off and Um, it was a whole thing she didn't know what the pause button was but it's great she figured it out she's listening thank you grandma love you um so yeah tell all your friends do you have anything else that's all sweet do your thing please pray for us we will be praying for you and we'll uh see you on the twitters